0: If you are in Sydney or Melbourne, listen up, because we have some exciting news for you. Listen. Yeah,
1: listen. Saturday, July.
0: Melbourne, we are doing Do Go On The Quiz
1: Show live one night only or one afternoon only, part of the Replay Festival at Comedy Republic on Saturday, July 6th at 3 p.m. This is 2024. And then the next weekend in Sydney, we are going out for a live Do Go On podcast at the fabulous Ritz Cinema on Saturday, July 13th at 3 p.m. Also 2024.
2: Yeah, 2024, yeah. Listen.
1: Yeah. Listen. Listen. Hey, Ugh. and get tickets. Buy ticket at Come tickets on. At dogoonpod.com. Com. Come. Let's
0: start. Do-
3: Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today.
2: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
0: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates.
1: This episode of Do Go On is brought to you by our upcoming Irish and UK tour. Kicking off in less than a month, we are performing seven live podcasts. And we've also just announced a one-off Extra stand up show in Dublin directly before our show at the Sugar Club on December the 1st. This is the only stand up show we're doing together on the tour, so we'll all do about 20 minutes of stand up each, all for one ticket price. Tickets are limited, even more limited than the podcast, because we have less seats to sell. So if you want to come along, get in now at dogoonpod.com, where you can also get tickets for our shows in Glasgow, Leeds, Bristol, London, and Birmingham we cannot wait and also just a general note thanks for downloading the show this one was recorded uh, this weekend just gone at the comedy lounge in Perth it was our first ever show over in WA it was a lot of fun and thank you to all the legends that came out to see us all right I'll be back at the end of the show for the Patreon section but until then I'll see you on the other side All right. Hello, Perth. Oh, how are you all doing? Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for coming out to see a uh, live. Uh, Do go on podcast. My name is Dave Warnicki, and uh, would you please welcome to the stage my two esteemed colleagues: It's Jess Perkins and Matt Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt just whispered in my ear, I just tripped over a lead.
2: Um, Dave, just before we came, I guess, whatever you do, don't trip on that lead. And I tripped and then I fell in the- Anyway, you saw it. <laughs> that's, if, it's not important, it's just the lead that's connecting the thing recording the episode, so.
0: Yeah, not a big deal.
2: Okay, it's taking too
0: long, so that's concerning.
2: Yeah, we probably could have kept talking during that, and nah. I, didn't, I didn't think so. I had a sip. Let's
0: all wait for Dave yeah. together. Uh, don't worry, I'll take it from here. <laughs> Hi, guys. Uh,
1: uh, I already asked you, but t- tell these guys, how are you feeling? You good?
0: Excellent. Good to hear.
2: That's great. Yeah, me too. You're pretty good? That's the mic, let's so say it loud enough. Thank Very you.
1: Very good. Hey, I don't want to freak you out, but I've been listening in on your conversations for the last 20 minutes. <laughs> Some pretty saucy stuff going on over here, but that's nothing compared to what you guys are talking about. <laughs> My God.
2: By the way, they're cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Got it on tape. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for coming out and joining us here at the Comedy Lounge. What a fantastic uh, venue. We were here last night for the late show, and the crowd was extremely rowdy, <laughs> Jess, would you observe a girl sitting over there who was watching the show with only one eye like this? And on the way out, we were just waiting. The last act was still on and a girl just walks past and her friend speaks to her and she just goes, ah. <laughs> He couldn't talk anymore. Perth is crazy. We like it here.
2: Yeah. The bar is open as well if anyone feels like a drink. No? Alright, this is... When, when Dave said last night's crowd was rowdy, it was a pretty similar vibe to this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, Perth is wild. She <laughs> goes, whoa, stop it, we can't all hear you at once, all right, yeah.
2: Um. Someone's got one eye open there, but they're having a nap, so.
0: <laughs> Maybe she was too. I should have checked that she was okay, <laughs> rather than just being like, huh, it's kind of funny. <laughs>
2: <laughs> there's a kind of animal, this doesn't matter, but there's a kind of animal that closes one eye and rests that part of their brain, so that they can always be wary. Maybe she was one of those kinds of animals. Is it a,
1: a, a Perth wild cat?
2: Yeah. Yeah, Andrew Vlahog, anybody? (laughs) (laughs) He played for them in the (laughs) nineties.
0: I love your references. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, um, uh, give us a cheer if you have heard Do Go On before. We like that. Thank you. Not bad. And a judgment-free zone. Give us a clap if you've never heard Do Go On before. Front row too. Well done. Thank you very much for being here. We appreciate it.
2: She what said, you, me. <laughs> what me. you should have said was, man." <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, thanks for coming along and sitting in the VIP seat. Yeah. The microphone is on you for all your confusing questions throughout yeah. the show. So, so it'll pick up.
0: up every time you lean across and go, I don't get it. Um, <laughs> but don't worry, neither do we. <laughs> Uh, But if you are unfamiliar with the show or you just need a brief reminder, basically what we do on the show
1: is report on a topic often suggested by a listener or more than one listener. And tonight it is my turn to report on a topic. Thank you. Uh, And Jess and Matt don't know what I'm going to talk about. No, we don't. true? Even though I've shared this to your iPad, but you were doing this. One eye
0: open. Yeah. I don't have my glasses on. I can't see shit. Yeah. Well, I hope I can, because I've
1: got a few thousand words here to read, so let's crack into it, shall we? Now, I've got a question, that's how we start the show, with a question, and um, Matt and Jess will give you first dibs, but if they, if they can't get it, then you and the audience can have a crack at it. My question is, in 1897... Yeah, I'm with you, I'm out. The AFL
2: commenced that year, VFL, AFL began that year. Is it about the VFL?
0: you've yeah. already done a report on that that's what I was going to say. that's sort of going to be Have awkward.
2: you already done that topic Oh shit <laughs> <laughs> in eighteen
0: ninety seven
1: what method of transport did s a andre use on his expedition to the North pole what oh. mode of transport what mode was it? of transport tram <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah ding ding
0: um, one of those um, one of those, uh, fuck, it'd be good if I could remember the word I was looking for. That would have made
1: tricycle. that joke really good. Yeah, Penny a tricycle. farthing. <laughs> oh, I mean, that's closer than a tram. That'd be sick.
2: A oh. bike. No. Donkey, camel. Horse. Is it a, li- a living thing? Is
1: it an animal? It's not a horse or an a- It's not an animal. Is it a dog sled? No.
2: Harley Davidson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, up. what are those shoes that have a wheel on the back?
0: Yeah, Wheelies. <laughs> A segue was it? A segue. Yeah, it was
1: a segue.
2: That
0: was the word I was looking for earlier. Oh, right. Could have that been was funny, funny. <laughs> five minutes ago. Yeah, that was funny.
2: I do you need I... that table? Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, we're just going to do a bit of furniture removaling here.
0: Oh, sick! Yeah, I want that. Great. Yeah, go on, Dave. Do your little <laughs> report.
1: Sorry. Uh, are you going to use that chair or? <laughs> I don't have a back. It's very uncomfortable on a stool. Please. <laughs> Uh, Anyone have any idea what transport? Submarine. Submarine. I mean, that is the best answer we've had so far. And yet it is wrong.
2: Balloon or Zeppelin? It is a balloon. Yes. Well done. Yeah. That that doesn't sound like... That just sounds easy. You just fly over the top. Is that noteworthy enough for a story?
0: (laughs) I think we're going to find out. Okay. Uh, so this uh, topic
1: was suggested by a few people. Uh, Orva Lorimer Olsen from Lund in Sweden.
2: All of those words are made up, including Sweden. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Dan Legere from Farmington, Minnesota. We've got Joe Cordell from London and a guy, another one from, uh, a guy from Sweden, or a girl, maybe Therese. Therese from Sweden, no last name. So thank you to those people suggesting this topic.
2: Why two Swedes? Is it a Swedish topic? Yes, it is. Ah. It is a
1: Swedish topic. Uh, and in the late 19th century, explorers... Why
0: two Swedes? <laughs> I
2: don't know why I'm that always <laughs> sus when you see two Swedes together.
0: <laughs> why? Hmm. Something's mm. happening
1: here. Yeah. Uh, so, to, to kick off the topic, in the late 19th century, European explorers were obsessed with one thing. Porn. Well, yeah. I was going to say two things, but I'm going to extend that to three things. I'm ex- obsessed with making it to the North Pole, the South Pole, and porn. Yeah. And it was particularly talked about in Norway and Sweden.
2: Also known as the Middle Pole. <laughs> <laughs> There's some sort of pole joke there. That wasn't it. But there was <laughs> a some pole joke. It was too much time to delapse. I just had... You don't know, need to know pole, all the inner workings, but... Middle
1: Pole sounds like someone who's struggling to get an erection. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I'm at a semi, semi-pole. <laughs> semi-pole. Half-mast.
1: Oh. stop talking. Um, some try to reach the geographic North Pole via boat, some via dogs and sleds, and others using a combination of both. We now know that unlike the South Pole in Antarctica, that there's l- where there's land underneath the ice, the geographic North Pole is located in the middle of the Arctic Ocean and sometimes
0: freezes over with ice. So it's very, very hard to get to. Yeah, as we all know... Mm. As we all, it was all common knowledge for everyone here.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you said sometimes freezes over with us. That means sometimes the North Pole is liquid. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, I knew it. I was just double-checking for... <laughs> 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 I'm glad you know. It's blown my mind, I would say, if I was someone who didn't realise that already. <laughs>
1: uh, and it was dangerous work. Author Alec Wilkinson told NPR that of the approximately 1,000 people that tried to reach the North Pole in the late 1800s, 751 died during their attempt, which is... Over 75% of people. 751.
0: Yeah. Fucking hell. One of them, one of them couldn't have held on. Yeah. <laughs> or <Yeah>.
2: 249 <laughs> could have died. Yeah.
0: <laughs> At least I was wishing someone alive. <laughs> you know?
2: That's, that's a good change from you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Normally I'd be like, more people dead now. Yeah. The
1: rest in peace to that one person. Uh, but these things are always about innovation, guys. And one man thought of an idea that no one else had. He decided that rather going through the freezing water and ice, how about you go over it? Specifically, how about using a lighter than air balloon filled with hydrogen to leisurely sail over the North Pole? That idea is the subject of today's report, the first and so far only attempt to get to the
0: North Pole using a balloon. It feels like uh, a bit seamless, you know? Absolutely. can't imagine anything going wrong. Huh, it's going to be a short report. Yeah, it's going to be. And then I guess we'll just have time for chat.
2: Yeah.
1: Just hang out. Any questions? (laughs) Uh, The ideas man I speak of is, of course, Swedish engineer Solomon August Andre. His name is one letter away from Salmon. (laughs) Just imagine the word Salmon with an extra O, and that is his name. I struggled to get past that. (laughs) (laughs) Which is why myself and history calls him S.A. (laughs) Andre. His name's too close to Salmon. Anyway... (laughs) Andrew was born in Greta, Sweden, on October 18th, 1854, and by many accounts, he was a bit of a mother's boy growing up, and this only increased after the death of his father.
0: Well, then he didn't really have the choice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm actually a lot closer with my mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
1: his mother remained the only real woman in his life, Aunt Andrew chose to turn. He had a few
2: uh, robot women, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love those robot women. Well, he chose to turn down would-be girlfriends, saying, quote, I don't want to run the risk of having a wife to ask me with tears to desist from my flights. Which to me says, no one was asking you, (laughs) mate.
0: Well, you said would-be girlfriends, but I thought you said whoopee girlfriends. (laughs) I was like, saying what? (laughs) Would-be is a lot less fun.
1: I'm so sorry.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, he obtained a medical, uh, mechanical engineering degree from the Royal Institute of Technology at the age of 19 and he went on to conquer the world.
2: Mechanical engineering, that's so he could build more women. <laughs> <laughs> I understand what mechanical engineering yeah. means.
1: Uh, and when I say conquer the world, I mean uh, America, where he worked as a janitor at the <laughs> Swedish exhibit of the Centennial Exhibition in Philadelphia, which had on display an array of new inventions from around the world, which I can only imagine included many models of mechanical women. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there he met early balloon innovator John Wise, whose claim to fame includes being responsible for being the first ever, uh, delivering the first ever official airmail for the US post office. Am uh, impressed? <laughs> uh, the only two incorrect people were the people that clapped I'm so sorry, no. so sorry. <laughs> there
2: was no real commitment from them either
3: I
1: yeah. know oh, I appreciate the support uh, John Wise really influenced the young Solomon uh, he Salmon, was, he was particularly impressed how Wise got himself out of sticky situations whilst in the balloon. This is what Salomon wrote in his diary about John Wise. Quote, his balloons had whirled like tops, caught fire, exploded and fallen to the ground like stones. The old man himself, however, had always escaped unhurt and counted his experiences as proof of how safe the art of flying really was. Yes. Mm. It sounds super safe to me. Yeah. So he was inspired by John Wise and Andre took his newfound enthusiasm for ballooning uh, ballooning with him back to Sweden where he campaigned to get his own balloon whilst paying the bills working as an engineer in the Swedish patent office. Uh, He got a grant to purchase his own balloon in 1893 and promptly made nine ascents. He was 38 when he made his first flight so there's still time, people. Well, there's time for Jess and I, anyway. (laughs)
2: Yes, I'm very, very old. <laughs> uh, all up, you're also assuming that no one in the audience is, under, is over 38.
0: No, we're just talking about on stage. Oh, okay, sure. You're 100 years old.
2: Oh, thank you. Thanks so much.
1: <laughs> uh, all up, Andre uh, spent 40 hours in the balloon. So 40 hours of flying experience.
0: That doesn't feel like much. I don't think it... That's not very much at all, actually. To be honest, it might turn out to be not quite enough. okay. <laughs> bit of sizzle.
1: (laughs) But he wanted to be taken seriously as a scientist, whilst at the same time proved the potential of a lighter-than-air balloon. Unlike most of his contemporaries, he considered himself to be an engineer first and an explorer second. (laughs) Lover third. (laughs) Uh, He wanted to show that a balloon was a reliable form of transport and could be used for photographing and mapping new areas. He considered trying to prove that a balloon could be used to cross the Atlantic Ocean but then decided that he'd be able to raise more interest and therefore more investment if he proposed to fly to the North Pole. After all, everyone was talking about who's going to be the first to make it, mm. and he was right, because he made a proposal directly to the Swedish Academy of Sciences asking for a shitload of money for, to fund his expedition. Mm-hmm. Uh, he listed all of his challenges on the journey and how the balloon could easily overcome all of them. He claimed that it would be easily strong enough to lift him, two companions, uh, companions, photography equipment and four months of supplies. He said it would be a piece of piss and that the midnight sun... Uh, direct quote there, guys. <laughs> and he said that the midnight sun would, be, uh, would mean it would never get dark and that they wouldn't have to anchor at all. They could just keep flying forever and ever. So,
0: as you said, Matt, absolutely
2: easy. It really does sound easy to me.
0: Yeah. Four months' worth of supplies in a balloon, easy. Yeah. It's easy. Three people. I mean... I imagine the camera equipment they have is just one of those like little uh, Canon the pink ones that we all took to oh. clubs in 2008
2: <laughs> yeah we all did yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> i still got mine <laughs> <laughs>
0: what are you picturing what's happening in your head now <laughs> <laughs> you was an 18 year old with, you're looking out at, at a club and everyone's got the same camera <laughs> taking about at each other yeah uh. That was my experience, Really? Yeah. Uh, I
1: I didn't really go to many clubs. Can you believe that?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, American Explorer, sorry, he's saying it's a piece of business, but he did have some critics. American Explorer General Adolphus Greeley. Great name. He questions Andre and proposed the possibility of getting lost in the balloon. He said, you could easily get lost out there. (laughs) Andre uh, responded to the question uh, by saying to the general who had lost 18 of his 25 men on a previous journey and he said, I risk three lives in what you call a foolhardy attempt and you risk how many? A (laughs) shipload. Dropped the microphone and apparently he was cheered from stage. He he left left to a rapturous applause and he was given approval for the mission.
2: People cheered him celebrating 18 deaths. Yeah, but it's a different yeah. time. Yeah, now got him. <laughs> got him. Got him. Cop that. Sucked Sad in. Sad old man.
0: Dickhead. Oh no, we have to pad while he drinks. Um, uh,
2: He's got shit. a very small gullet. For those <laughs> who don't know, scientifically speaking, uh, they call it the Warnakee gullet. And <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he's gone been... again.
1: Well, when I had my operation on my esophagus for the second time, you know that uh, it's weird when. The surgeon comes over and he goes, Hi, oh, this is my friend who's visiting from England. He just wants to watch. Because <laughs> I was such a freak of science. Was. You fo-
2: following so far? Yeah. Oh, she's shaking her head.
1: Yeah. Which bits are you confused about? Is the esophagus? <laughs> right, He's so got I a weird esophagus. But and you're up to date. Yeah, I got, I got webs in there. <laughs> that is the technical term. And what they did, they put a bogey down there, which is an inflatable b- balloon that you go on topic. And... Um, <laughs> Uh, it's really called a bogey. And then, when I was being wheeled into the operating theatre, the nurse said to me, "Oh, what are you having done?" I said, oh, "I've got uh, blockages in my esophagus She said, "How do you get those?" And I said, "Oh, it's it's congenital." And she goes, "Does that mean it's in your genitals?" <laughs> and then she goes, "Oh, it's too early. I haven't had coffee yet." And that was one of the last things I heard as I was being put in. I thought they were going to put a balloon down my dick. Oh, terrified. Are you up to date now? Okay, so we're back, we're back. (laughs) Congenital means you're born with it, by the way. (laughs) Uh So the Swedes were particularly keen on making this mission a success as Norway was making good progress and they did not want to be beaten by their neighbours. So he raised the equivalent of one million US dollars for his journey. A lot of the money came from the king of Sweden himself as well as the recently wealthy inventor of dynamite, Alfred Nobel, who I did a report on a few months ago. Hmm. It was a big news story too, whilst uh, papers saying that uh, Andrew was like a Jules Verne novel come to life. (laughs) Jules Verne being the author of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea that I covered on Book Cheat a few months ago. (laughs) Just a couple of plugs for earlier podcasts that I've done.
2: And uh, Jules Verne were the name of the dogs. No, the sons in the third Back to the Future film, which I did a report on.
1: Oh, fantastic. Uh, Matt also does uh, a uh, podcast about monkeys. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's a little broader than that, yeah. mate. We talk about apes as well. So
1: <laughs> so Andrew's got his money, the $1 million, and the balloon he ordered was called the Ornan, which uh, means eagle.
0: The, what was the it? The Ornan. Don't like it.
1: The Eagle. Better. Great. Go with that. At over 100 Jess feet Jess does
2: not like that foreign language <laughs> stuff.
1: <laughs> I'll cut that out. Uh, cut what was it out. mean? Ooh. I don't get it. Ooh. Why are they talking like that? Uh. Uh, at one, over 100 feet tall, it was one of the largest ever produced. One of the largest balloons they've ever made. It was made of varnished silk with rubberized seams designed to hold in the enormous amount of hydrogen that it would be filled with.
2: Is that an explosive thing?
0: Yep.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Because yep. it's the hydrogen bomber thing. That's not this, is it? <laughs> 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 All right, well, this one. is going to get pretty exciting. Do you, do
1: you remember uh, I a uh, previous report, the Hindenburg? Yeah. Also filled with the same
2: stuff.
0: <laughs> and I believe that ended very well. Yeah. So...
2: But at least this, this one's got a sassy pilot, so...
0: I can't decide how I feel about him, you know, so I don't know if I want him to He sounds like or. you.
2: He sounds like, <laughs> sounds like you in the uh, past. Ambitious, yeah.
0: <laughs> Me in the what?
2: Sounds like salmon.
0: <laughs> yeah, true. I do... Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to yes and you with that one.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> one of his <these> contemporary?
2: <laughs> I'm just saying the other thing I could remember from the report.
0: Yep, I sound like salmon. <laughs> uh, should, I, should I move on? Yeah. Um, no, should,
2: let's let's been... <laughs> wallow in this for a little longer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, that should have been the name of the podcast. Sh- should I move on? Should Just I move, move on. Move on?
2: <laughs> no, no, let's call it Let's Wallow. <laughs>
1: Do wallow on.
0: Uh. Uh, one of his contemporaries'
1: biggest criticisms of the proposal at the time, and it's only a minor criticism, admittedly, it was that it was impossible to steer a lighter-than-air balloon. <laughs> minor, minor Yeah, criticism.
0: I mean, you're nitpicking at that stage, were really, I mean, aren't God.
1: you? It was at the mercy of the winds. But Andre's uh, big claim was that he'd worked out how to steer a balloon. His plan was to steer the balloon using drag ropes. These are giant ropes that would hang from the back of the balloon and then drag along the ground. The theory is that these are, uh, that the vehicles travel at the same speed as the wind and just get blown wherever the wind is going. But the ropes slow the ship down so it's slower than the wind so you'll be able to steer it like a sail. That was his claim. And he said he'd worked out how to do it in his 40 hours. Except that he hadn't. No, he hadn't. <laughs> Uh, Remember the nine flights I mentioned earlier that he undertook? Yes. Well, it turns out that these didn't actually go so well. But he wasn't telling people that. (laughs) He would take off in Sweden but had a habit of losing control and being (laughs) carried out to sea. (laughs) Dunking him into the water or onto the rocky islands in the Baltic. One time his attempt was so bad that he was blown clear across the Baltic Sea to Finland. (laughs) hundreds of miles in the wrong direction and he landed in a different country. <laughs> and yet this man had just secured a million dollars in investment. What could go wrong? And it also turns out that the use of drag ropes ha- has been debunked by modern balloonists as absolute horse shit.
2: And if modern balloonists have debunked it, you know, <laughs> you know it's bullshit. Yeah. What is his main mistake, I reckon, is he said where he's trying to get to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What I would do is say, yes, I'm going to do a big old balloon flight, mystery location. <laughs> and then when I arrive, they go, this is where I intended. The rope's got me here. <laughs> <Yeah. It's tick-tick. laughs>
0: I've been imagining, you know at playgrounds, when they have like, at the top of the playground, there's just like a steering wheel, but it doesn't, that's what I'm imagining. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: someone driving in a 1960s movie. Yeah. <laughs> they're going nowhere. But he was Sweden's first and only balloonist, so he he, so no one
0: had any reason to question him. He would say something, and people go, "Oh, okay, cool, right." He's the first and only balloonist, meaning no one else has thought this was a good idea. No. Yet he's like, "I'm gonna do it," and they go, "All right, yeah, sure."
1: Apparently, apparently, uh, ballooning was bigger in France, and people were from over there questioning him in the community. But to the general public, they were like, "Yeah." Cool. cool. Have a good time. You've worked out the rope thing. Bon hadn't. voyage. Uh, and how would they be investing in such an endeavour? Let me explain how they filled the balloon. Andre had a five-storey balloon house built on Danes Island in Norway just to fill it up in peace. This is a quote from the New Yorker. You want to go to a balloon house? This is, let me describe it. Just. <laughs> the front wall of the house could quickly be pulled down when the balloon was ready to lift off. The floor, as well as every part of the house that might touch the balloon, was covered with heavy felt. End quote. So he built a house with a collapsible wall (laughs) just for the project. So big money is being spent. (laughs) But he couldn't go alone on the mission. He contracted two other men to travel with him. Nils Ekholm, a 47-year-old meteorologist, and Nils Strindberg. (laughs) Two nils.
2: Two nils? Sounds like a buddy's soccer game. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon
1: you got some of that in your mouth.
0: He's like a dog with peanut butter.
2: Whoa, whoa. (laughs) Where are you putting the peanut butter? (laughs) (laughs) Who are... If you hear dog and peanut butter, what... Okay, just me and Dave. Um... (laughs) (laughs)
1: I <laughs> know, but you were, you were thinking it too? Yeah. <laughs> I see you've also been a 13 year old boy.
4: <laughs>
2: I never did it, come on, <laughs>
1: guys.
4: <laughs>
2: I like that idea, though, of saying it to an adult male. Oh, I see you've been a 13 year old boy.
4: Ah. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> I know a lot of people skip that age, not you and me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we've got Nils 1, the meteorologist And Nils 2, the 23 year old That's Nils Strindberg 23 year old, assistant professor of physics And who, fun fact And no one will find this fun except me Was the cousin of the writer August Strindberg Whoa <laughs>
4: The
0: August Strindberg mm.
1: Mm. Who wrote the, the Red Room hmm? We all, we've Don't, all read it. Nah. We've all read it.
0: You learnt last time not to pity him. That's a fun fact and totally worth putting in there. Thank you so much.
1: Uh, so he's got nils and nils to hang out with him on the journey. The balloon basket was set up for the three men and their supplies. They would sleep on the floor of the basket, but cooking was a problem as the balloon was filled with hydrogen and, as I've written here, was later discovered with the Hindenburg, that shit is flammable. Mm. Uh, The solution was to dangle a modified primus stove eight metres below the basket (laughs) where they could safely light it at a
2: distance. All of a sudden those dangle ropes are starting to sound like fuses. (laughs)
1: And uh, they would use a mirror to work out if they'd lit it or not. <laughs> I can only imagine they had like eight metre long barbecue tongs trying to, trying to flip focus. <laughs> uh, the plan was
0: to... <laughs> Should have just packed sandwiches. <laughs> Why didn't yeah. They think of that. yeah, Why? that makes sense. Why didn't they think of that? Like, ah, I can't cook a rice, what do I do? I'll dangle a stove. <laughs> uh, the plan was to leave and
1: float continuously where they would reach the North Pole in just 36 hours. What?
2: That means it's within his you know, experience of 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Smart. Yeah,
1: he is qualified. Yeah. They would then continue on and left th- uh, let the after party begin. According to uh, NPR, Andre had a tuxedo with him in the balloon. So that he could, at the end, meet the dignitaries that he imagined would be waiting for him, <laughs> he was that confident. Oh my god! Okay, I hate this guy. <laughs> so the three men in their stove went to Danes Island and attempted to leave, but for weeks the winds were unsuitable. So it was an on- ominous start as they just hung out in the uh, balloon house. Imagine, <laughs> imagine standing there for three weeks in a tuxedo waiting for the wind to change. <laughs> That's so embarrassing. Uh, It turns out that we now know, and Jess, we all know this as well, that the wind uh, is expected to blow in uh, this direction from Danes Island all the time and that uh, Andre had just miscalculated. He was going, "Um, it's blowing the wrong way. Uh, We'll wait, we'll wait. And it just never blows the right way. Uh, He was planning for a type of wind that was extremely rare and wondering why it took so long. Andre, it took so long that he had to return to Sweden to raise more money. And whilst there, his beloved mother died unexpectedly. Oh, no. This deeply affected the engineer who privately wrote, and now I'm revealing to an audience, <laughs> quote, The only thread which bound me to the wish to live is quite. Because a off. dangle rope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: a dangle rope which was also keeping my mother alive. <laughs> Sadly, so now he doesn't feel like he's got any real reason to live, which is Kind of scary. Um, during their time off, Ekholm, the meteorologist, is Nils 1, had time to think about what they were actually about to attempt. And he quit the mission. Yes. Yes, Nils. He calculated that the hydrogen balloon was losing, losing too much hydrogen through the holes in the seams of the balloon's material. There were millions of these little holes all around it. He ran his own calculations based on the hydrogen loss and realised that the balloon could only stay aloft for 17 days and not the planned 30 he also speculated upon that Andre was secretly filling up the balloon with more hydrogen to make it appear more solid every day. But once they got going, this would, of course, be impossible, so he was just cheating the results.
0: <laughs> Ekholm demanded a better balloon. Andre refused, and Nils won, left the mission for good. I reckon that's going to turn out to be a good call. You know? I reckon too. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know why I reckon? Why's that? Because I've read ahead. Ooh.
1: <laughs> uh, Nils was replaced by Nutt Frankel. Oh, that's good. A, um, that's good. Nutt.
2: Nunt Frankel, yeah, yeah that's great. A
1: 27-year-old uh, 20, civil engineer, younger and more athletic than Nils 1. He was seen as a good injection of youth into the trip. And fine <laughs> You're looking at me like that's weird to say. No, I just zoned out.
2: Oh, cool. You know you know something about Nunt? He was a 13-year-old boy once. <laughs> <laughs> if you know what I mean. They had peanut butter back then. (laughs) And dogs.
0: Go again, go again.
2: Uh, That's great. M.U. bitter. Uh. Export, (laughs) fuck, sorry. Sorry, local. (laughs) Okay, now I definitely know there's a difference between those two. (laughs) Why, though? You export? Oh, All right. This is the one you don't export, but it's called export. You fucking wacky Perthites. <laughs> Amazing stuff. <laughs> Tastes fine as well. That's something I don't tell you back home. This is fine. Mmm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that honestly might be the nicest thing anyone's ever said about Emu Export. <laughs> it's
0: fine.
2: I'd take it over VB any day. It's pretty fine beer. (laughs) Anyway, let's not wallow any further.
1: Well, finally the day came that they were able to leave. They finally got the win right, July 11th, 1897. And I know you're all thinking, I bet it started well and went perfectly to plan. Yep. Quoting from the New Yorker here, quote, as it left the balloon house, the balloon struck something. And the last thing Andre was heard to say was, what's that? (laughs) And then he was hot. Oh. <laughs> the two words that really sum up the mission.
0: What's that? Uh, I have so much faith in him. This is going to go really well. But well, don't worry, guys, because he got the
1: balloon to rapidly ascend before rapidly descending ah, okay. until it crashed into the water below. To raise it, Andre and the others had to throw out 460 pounds or 210 kilos of sand, which they had later hoped to use as a ballast. So, they, so they're up, then they're down, then they're back up again because they threw stuff out of the basket, so now they're lighter. But also the much-hyped drag ropes that Andre claimed made him able to steer got instantly tangled and were ripped off. So they lost 530 kilos or 1,170 pounds of rope. This was most of their rope, so in their eyes, they now had no way of steering. <laughs> Which, <laughs> I mean, we now know that they never had any oversteering. But at least, I mean, it's like
2: being on the playground and someone's taken the wheel away. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's a placebo. <laughs>
2: Does that mean the barbecue went in the water as well? <laughs>
1: No, they, the barbecue, when they needed it, they'd lower it down. Oh. So if they we were, had it in with... Yeah, okay. They didn't lose... Well, that's good. Uh, also, because they lost all of their ballast, which is the weight keeping them down, the sand that weighed them down uh, shot up... So, the balloon shot up to an unexpected and unprecedented height. Fuck. S- suddenly, there were 700 metres or 2,300 feet in the air... Which also had the unintended side effect of allowing the lower air pressure at that altitude uh, let the hydrogen escape quicker through the holes. (laughs) (laughs) So now they're losing losing (laughs) hydrogen quicker. Uh, It took an hour for the balloon to disappear from view, and believe it or not, that would be the last time people would see them for a long, long
0: time.
2: (laughs) Oh, they see them again. That's hopeful. Yeah.
0: I mean, we have all this information.
2: Yeah, that's true.
0: We, Dave, has this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I sent him a <sentiment> text
1: <laughs> um, if Oi, some- not? <laughs> well if, if they did need to communicate If something went wrong they had two means of contacting the outside world Yelling right? and yeah. screaming yeah. <laughs> Well both of those would be probably more reliable than what they had uh-huh. The first was dropping messages in Steel Boys
2: 13 <laughs> year old Steel Boys <laughs>
1: <laughs> You cover them in peanut butter and you throw them off the edge so, <laughs> they'd, <laughs> so they'd put a message inside these Steel Boys, seal it up, throw them off into the ice and hope that they'd uh, reach the ocean and then float towards civilization. They're basically messages in bottles. That's one mes- method. The other method of communication was homing pigeons supplied by a newspaper to communicate with the newspaper. Andres released four of these and only one was ever found. And that one had landed on a ship and was promptly shot. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what a time. Pigeon mate. Who's, who's this who's is an enemy pigeon. <laughs> Put your hands up. No, he didn't.
1: Shoot. <laughs> uh, the message atta- uh, attached gave their coordinates and read, All goes well on board. This is the third message sent by pigeon. Andre. <laughs> and they shot it. So after disappearing into the horizon, the men continued on their journey, travelling through near-freezing mist. That afternoon, the balloon again lost altitude and hit the ice before again rising, something it would continue to do. Repeatedly. (laughs) It crashed into the ground eight times in half an hour. (laughs) And from there, the crashing only increased. (laughs) Andres wrote in his diary, paid visits to the surface and stamped it about every 50 (laughs) metres. Nevertheless,
2: humour good. <laughs> He's like the biggest optimist in the world.
0: They're bouncing along.
1: It's, uh, it
2: sounds like yeah, it's basketball. Someone's <laughs> dribbling them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, the crashing and taking off continued for 40 hours Ugh. and caused uh, Nils 2 Strindberg, relative of the other Strindberg, to get motion sickness. The only way to keep afloat was to keep throwing sand and supplies overboard to reduce their weight.
2: And this is how beaches got sand. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, people don't know that. <laughs> people don't know.
2: The more you know. They, so it's taken them 40 hours so far. So that means they've got there and they're four hours on the way back.
0: Yeah, because he said it would only take 36. Sadly, it's taking slightly longer than they expected. Huh. Oh. Only slightly, though, so that's good. They're still. They must
2: know, be nearly there. They're
0: not far off. Uh, but sadly all good things must come to an end oh no (laughs) no
1: no that's
2: what he says when someone's about to die (laughs) that's how he
0: says he's a psycho
2: he told me about my nana dying
0: (laughs) (laughs) why would they get me to do it
1: (laughs) it was messed up (laughs) that's the bad news all good things must come not nana (laughs) no not just nana oh no (laughs)
0: Oh, <laughs> <went> real bleak <laughs> uh,
1: No, all good things must have gone to an end And eventually they crash landed for good Luckily the crash landing was actually quite soft And they weren't injured at all
0: huh. Hmm, is there a word for that? Because crash landing really implies hmm. At least badly injured So uh, it's just an emergency landing? That's nice, yeah that? They emergency landed they Softly d- Softly
1: <laughs> Uh, they'd been flying for 65 hours and had travelled 517 miles but were still 300 miles away from the South Pole. Right.
2: South North Pole? Pole? North
1: Pole. I've written South Pole. <laughs> uh, they were still many thousands of miles from the South
2: Pole. <laughs> they'd really like, blown off course, hadn't the, they?
1: <laughs> he doesn't know the difference. Imagine <laughs> he'd be so annoyed. We nearly got to the South Pole. <laughs>
3: This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the
1: all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether it's your first ever website or your business is expanding, growing, getting bigger, it all means the same thing. Squarespace <laughs> makes it easy to create a beautiful website and engage with your audience.
0: And if you're worried about like, well, I don't know how to write stuff for a website and make myself look good, well, you can get help with the written content for your website with Squarespace AI. You can generate instant personalised results that highlight your brand identity you can explain what your site's about choose your tone enter what you need and bang you got some short and long form text baby so squarespace ai makes it easy to go live stand out and succeed online i'm
2: so glad you had that bit because i thought it was pronounced squarespace ai (laughs) (laughs) anyway sell exclusive content on your site by adding a paywall to sell memberships or courses or sell files your customers can download. I don't know if I'm hitting all these words <laughs> as intended, like PDFs, musics or eBooks. I would love to buy Matt's eBook.
0: I'd like to buy Matt's course, and you you can do that. <laughs> Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course.
2: Be more like Matt. Oh, okay. one hundred and one.
0: <laughs> wow, yeah. how many? Does it go to one hundred
2: and two? It goes all the way to one hundred and two. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> you can customize everything with next generation editing technology. You can create engaging lessons your audience will love and then set the price. You can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Matt, how much is it to be more like Matt 101?
2: Oh, three 3 mil. Wow.
0: wow p- like per month or?
2: Yeah, USD. <laughs>
1: awesome. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com/do go on for a free trial and to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. squarespace.com/ do. Go. On. Uh, they decided to continue on foot, not to the South Pole. Importantly, their equipment, including cameras, was left unscathed.
2: Huh. The pink.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, nothing could kill that thing. Cybershot. <laughs> Cybershot. That's what it was. You did have one.
2: <laughs> I won't tell you why. Anyway, whatever. Has anyone seen Unbelievable? Yeah. Yeah, there's a pink silver <laughs> shot in that. Anyway.
0: I feel a story coming on. No, probably For not. For another time. Yeah. Oh, God. It's really not on brand. Um, uh, oh, small talk, small talk. Um, For those oh. people
2: listening at home, Dave just tried to squeeze a little water in it into his gullet. You got three droplets. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big one. And, he, and he choked.
0: I'll <laughs> keep me going.
2: All good things must come to an end, though. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Like my ability to swallow <laughs> Not peanut butter guys. I've legit had peanut butter get stuck in myself because of cool. Wow.
2: Who put it there? Not, <laughs> not bloody little ruffles. <laughs> the first dog now I thought of was ruffles. Is that a dog? Anyway, whatever. Not senor wolf. <laughs>
4: <laughs> uh, so they got
1: the cameras, that's important because Strindberg will continue to take photos as they uh, lived on the ice taking over 200 and all, including of the crashed balloon which is a spectacular photo, probably the cover image of this podcast when it comes out uh, They were stocked with survival equipment including guns, snowshoes, sleds, skis, a tent and even a small boat which sounds like they were really prepared but really they had all of the wrong equipment The sleds weren't in the same style as what local Inuits used, and were not really built for the ice in this area. Their clothes weren't made of furs, which is what every other explorer used at the time, but instead they used woolen coats (laughs) and supposedly waterproof oil skins, but they were apparently always cold and always wet. Uh. They really took their time packing their sleds, spending a week choosing supplies before leaving the balloon for good. They overpacked the sleds too, which weighed between three and four hundred and fifty pounds, make, making them very difficult and sometimes impossible to pull. <laughs> the food they had wasn't really designed to be taken on a sled either. Should have had sandwiches. Yeah. And it was, not su- it was more suitable for a balloon journey. After a week of pulling these stupidly big sleds, they ditched a lot of the food, meaning they had to rely on hunting. As they went on, they shot and ate seals, walruses and polar bears. Whoa. Uh oh. Uh, Their goal was not to continue into the pole, but to instead uh, reach one of two food depots where they'd stay there and wait for help. Initially, they went for one, only to find that the moving ice meant they were actually moving further away from the depot, (laughs) no matter how fast they travelled on foot. They couldn't outrun the ice. So they headed off for the other one in Seven Islands in a southwest direction. The going was tough, and sometimes they had to crawl on their hands and feet. When they didn't have any meat, they just...
0: How the fuck do you crawl?
2: <laughs> That's not how... could you show us how you crawl quickly? Like what you just did? That does That doesn't make sense. No. I mean, what, what, what
1: part of their journey does make sense so far? <laughs> good point. That's a good
2: point. He shook his head. I was going to try and get someone to help me there, but... I know body language. and His it. body language said, fuck off, cunt. <laughs> so did his mouth. <laughs> so read the lips.
1: Uh, when they didn't have any meat, they just ate bread and butter and frequently had diarrhoea, which Andres treated with opium and morphine. <laughs>
2: That's my kind of buddy chemist. All right, let's... I got diarrhea, OPM. I got a little tummy ache. OPM. Here's some heroin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, In the first four days, they had travelled less than a thousand metres all up. (laughs) That's not good. Uh, They continued on, struggled on, I should say. And on September 4th, it was Strindberg's birthday. And as a present, (laughs) Andre gave him letters that Strindberg's fiancé had written him. Well, you've been holding on yeah, to them? I know, which I think is, it sounds lovely, then you think, hang on, you've had these for like a month? Can I? When did, why were you holding on to yeah, them? Yeah, but I knew you would be Why are you holding on coming. to them? And
2: why are they smothered in peanut butter? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Apparently, they were all very festive on this day despite their struggles, so oh, they're nice. trying to keep uh, the positivity going. Less than a week later, the men admitted they weren't going to make it to the food depot. In the six weeks previous, the ice had carried them approximately 81 miles south-southeast when they had been trying to travel the same distance, south-southwest. So they're actually further away than when they started. The young man, Frankel, had developed a large painful blister and could not uh, pull his sled any longer and snow had fallen, making it even harder for them to uh, move. They decided to camp on the ice and stay put for the winter. Andre wrote, our humour is pretty good, although joking and smiling are not an ordinary occurrence.
0: But our humour's yeah. good. We're not joking or smiling or wanting to live, but our <laughs> humour is top-notch. It's pretty good. It's really good. Oh, boy. Uh, so I'm they're just going to stay there yeah, for the winter? Camp out in an, an Arctic winter, you know. Sure. Okay. That's that sounds like a good... Actually, you're right. This whole thing's been a very good plan. Yeah. So I feel this is going to work out for them. you think
2: so, Matt? Any predictions at this stage? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm wondering if, why we know about it if they didn't survive, but you have like said he's keeping a diary. Yeah. Maybe one of them dies. That blister boy sounds like he's a goner.
0: Poor <laughs> <laughs> old blister boy. But you know what they, how they treated blisters? Opium. <laughs> <laughs> so he feels great. I think that's all they had. Yeah, that's, that's all, all you have. need. Uh, Andre shot three
1: seals before they went uh, into essential hibernation, meaning they, in theory, should have enough food for the winter. They built a hut out of ice, but sadly the feeling of having a home was short-lived as it soon collapsed as water (laughs) broke through the ice beneath them. Uh.
2: They had to scramble and get all their supplies out. Did they have any knowledge of building ice huts? To be honest, no.
0: Thank you for being honest. He thought...
1: uh, (laughs) He thought... I'll just float over it. Why do I even... Ne- I don't even need these supplies. I'm just going to float over it. Yeah. I've never even seen snow. Who cares? I'm just
0: going to be looking at it from above.
1: <laughs> but sadly, they are now there. They decided to move their camp to the nearby deserted island of uh, Kivatoya or White Island. It is the easternmost part of the Kingdom of Norway. They settled on the only part of the island that is free from ice, and it took two days to transport their equipment and set up a camp. They set up a camp in a tent... And the last entry that Andrews wrote in his diary was dated Friday, October 8th, where he wrote that bad weather had trapped them in their tent all day. And then, nothing. Oh. For over three decades, people back home in Sweden speculated about what had happened to the three men and their balloon.
2: Oh, Newspapers that is, you've got us all on the edge of our seats <laughs> now.
1: <laughs> Newspapers often mentioned them because they were... They became sort of folk heroes back home, but no real evidence was ever found of the journey until August 5th, 1930. Yeah! yeah! <laughs> Have you been waiting the whole time? Yeah. Have you heard a word I've said? Fair I appreciate enough. That. Uh, August 5th, 1930. What? what was
2: that? It's one of the things they said before. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much.
1: What a guy. I
2: think I misquoted, though. It was too, it was what's that?
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's back. August 5th, 1930. Thank you so much. A Norwegian expedition called the Bratvag. Yes. (laughs) We're studying the glaciers and uh, happened upon the remains of the three men. (gasps)
2: Oh, remains... you know everyone was thinking they might have survived?
1: They ate three seals over 30 years. Yeah. The reason it... Or he'd been keeping a diary up until that point that he got writer's block (laughs) for 30 years. (laughs) I'm not going to bother writing this down anymore. I'll remember. Yeah. Day 6000, still living in a tent. Um, I got a beard now, so that's fun. Same as Dave. Huh? Thanks so much. Uh, the reason it had taken so long for anyone to discover them is that the island of Kivatoya, or uh, one island, is usually surrounded by ice and fog and impossible for even hardy whaling ships to access. However, that year was very warm and the sea was free of ice. Huh. The crew were very keen to explore what was usually an inaccessible island. So they board, uh, got onto the island and then found uh, the three men's remains. And they found that they'd been disturbed by
0: polar bears... And not much, but skeletons remained. Polar bears got their revenge. Yeah. (laughs) It was the the son of the polar bear they ate. (laughs) You killed my father. Prepare to die.
4: (laughs) I
2: like the idea that they were disturbed by the polar bears. Like, (laughs) they were in there with their dog and some peanut butter. (laughs) No, don't look at me.
1: (laughs) Also discovered was the, the men's diaries, which were very detailed. And also, um, amazingly, many of Nils' uh, photos survived and were able to be developed. Whoa. Giving a good account of the journey. He took over 200 photos in total and 93 survived. Shit. Uh, and they're really, 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 really cool photos. Uh, the three men's bodies were taken back to Sweden and led through the centre of Stockholm, given a solemn hero's welcome. Thousands of people came out to uh, salute their bodies. They were seen...
0: Say again? For skeletons.
1: Yeah, I mean, not everyone on the la- <laughs> on the parade knew that.
0: <laughs> they, it was like Weekend at Bernie style. They kind of... <laughs> it was beautiful, oh. yeah. Beautiful also, parade. I also love the
1: idea of someone like... You're like, oh, they've been... Uh, you know, th- we had to burn their body, so there's not much left. So not really... Not much point in going to the funeral, really. <laughs> there's
0: not much left. <laughs> they still had to... <laughs> Give them their
1: heroes. Not Nana, well. Dave.
2: <laughs> <laughs> not just Nana. Oh, yeah, not just Nana.
0: <laughs> Dave killed a lot of people that day. <laughs> hey, good thing you never said it. that part, Dave.
1: <laughs> uh, so they were seen as heroes of the nation. Are uh, their coffins? They've got a real
2: low bar for hero yeah. heroism in Sweden.
1: <laughs> These guys got real lost. <laughs> uh, their coffins were. L- <laughs> good on you, boys. Uh, the coffins were laid at the feet of the country's uh, then-King-King King Gustav V, who said, quote, In the name of the Swedish nation, I here greet the dust <laughs> of the polar explorers who, more than three <laughs> decades ago, left their native land to find an answer to the questions of unparalleled difficulty. <laughs> but what happened to the men? How did they die? How did they die? Their de- <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. Their detailed diaries were found... Uh, Meaning that we know a lot about their journey. But in terms of their deaths, I'm sorry to say that this is a mystery report. The whole
0: time. There aren't that many options. (laughs) Froze to death. Murdered each other. Eaten by polar bear. Shat themselves to death.
1: (laughs) Starved
2: to death.
0: Yeah.
1: People have debated for nearly 90 years as what happened to the men. Their bodies were cremated as soon as they returned to Sweden, ruling out further forensic studies. But these are some of the theories, many of which... Are you just... thinking a
2: cover-up from the government?
1: Yeah. This goes all the way to the top. King Gustav V. <laughs> uh, these are some of the theories. Uh, they may have developed lead poisoning from eating uh, food from metal cans. Oh. Yeah, it's boring. Uh, yeah, cheer for your favourite theory. <laughs> uh, they may have been poisoned from eating polar bear's liver. Yeah,
0: maybe, yeah. That's good. That's
1: revenge. I like that from the polar bear. Uh, some say they could have developed deadly botulism from the seal meat. Woo! Yeah, let's hear it for botulism. You don't hear enough about it anymore. <laughs> Cook your meat, people. Uh, they could have just died from the meat cold. Meat, people. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Cook your meat, people.
1: <laughs> Cook them. Cook those meat, people. Uh, uh, they could have just died from the cold and hypothermia. Others contend that they were attacked by polar bears. Mm.
0: Yeah, that is sick.
1: Although I will most agree now that their bodies were disturbed by polar bears after they died. And Andre had died with his gun next to him, so... Would he have shot a polar bear? Probably.
2: (laughs) He's done it before, apparently. Uh,
1: The most dramatic suggestion is that it was a psychotic murder-suicide, with one of them killing the others before taking their own life. Although their diaries look as though they were optimistic right up until the end. Yeah. Dear Diary, thinking about killing the others tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, no. no, no I'd... <laughs> but probably the most plausible theory, in my opinion, is, of course, mole people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really the only thing that makes sense.
1: Uh, just to wrap this up, some people look at Andre as a delusional man who risked his and his friends, his two young friends' lives... He should have known how dangerous it was and if he was lying about how far the balloon would travel, well, that's basically criminal. But others see him as someone who backed himself into a corner with his claims and aspirations and had to follow through no matter what. I think Uh, both
2: of those are the same thing. Yeah.
0: (laughs) They're both true. Hmm.
1: Uh, Once he'd made the pledge to do it, there was no backing out. So so, I think some people feel more sorry for him and other people are like, nah, he killed two young men. Yeah. Yeah appreciation for Nils Strindberg the photographer's efforts have only grown over time however, he was an untrained student and managed to keep photographing and documenting what was happening around him despite being in some of the toughest conditions imaginable and the photos that survived are stunning and I'll be sure to post some of them online, but that is the 1897 Polar Balloon North Pole Expedition Say
0: Warnieke everybody (laughs) well done Do you, do you have any theories? Yeah, what are your thoughts, guys?
2: No, I, yeah, I think it was... I like the idea that the polar bear's liver is what did it. Yeah, the polar bears revenge bears killed from inside. Yeah, well, revenge is a, be- a dish best served cold, and I imagine <laughs> that would have been the case. Thank you.
1: <laughs>
2: None of that went in my mouth that time.
0: <laughs> How about you, just any uh, thoughts, feelings, or... At the end of that... Um, uh, I was definitely thinking that one of them killed the others, oh. but I was imagining it in a very stoic way. You know, in the Titanic when they, the string quartet keep playing, I was imagining it a little bit like that. But instead of playing a beautiful song, it was like, <laughs> 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 you know, killing you, his friends. Do you think the
1: uh, quartet on the Titanic killed everyone?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Is that not how that movie goes? Yeah. The string quartet went on a murder spree mm. Yeah the, sure the bass
2: player was an iceberg <laughs> 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 Is that a regret face?
0: No You'll know it when you see it yeah.
2: That's confused by myself yeah. face
0: <laughs> Regret face it usually sort of turns Mostly away from People So
2: I felt no regret about anything I've done today
1: not
0: yet. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. There is a second
1: show to come. Uh, that does brings us to the end of the podcast part of the show. Thank you so much for coming out today. We appreciate you being here. Yeah, give us a round of
0: applause.
1: What we're going to do now for the people in the room is I have about a half hour-ish break. Yeah. The bar will be open in that time. If you'd love to get a drink, it will probably make the second half a lot crazier. Yeah. And, which we... We try to cultivate on a Sunday afternoon, and um, I believe we'll be, uh, There's we're going to have some t-shirts for sale up the back, yep. if you are interested in uh, buying one of those, uh, and yeah, we'll be back in about half an hour's time, what are we looking at? Bang about? on three. About, about 3.30 for our second show, which I'm going to run a quiz, where you guys as an audience, if you want to stick around, will compete against Jess and Matt yeah. for quiz glory. It's
0: a lot of fun, we've done it in a few different cities, and it's always so much fun. So stick around if you can. Go get drinks. Get some snacks. Fuck, There's I love
2: snacks. $15 espresso martini. Hello. If anyone wants to get me one is what I was yeah, saying. Yeah, if
0: anyone wants to get us one, just um do that. And uh, uh, Don't get me
1: a martini, but there are $10 ice cream sundaes. Mm-hmm. So that would be
0: and popcorn god damn I love this place I live here now alright well uh, because
1: this is the end of the podcast for people at home can we have a big round of applause for the comedy lounge for hosting us here today it's a fantastic venue here in Perth running comedy many nights a week so please uh, do support the comedy lounge Uh, thank you so much for coming out and uh, until next week on the podcast I'll say thank you and goodbye Later. bye And there you have it, podcasting in WA for the first ever time. Thank you again to everyone that came out to see us. Thanks to everyone at the Comedy Lounge for having a great comedy venue where you can go and see comedy many nights a week over in Perth. We appreciate them having us over. It's Dave here, by the way. I'm just hanging out in my bedroom recording this Patreon section late at night, the night before it comes out. So I appreciate you sticking with us to the end. Now, the Patreon section, if you're not familiar, this is funded by the people that basically fund the show at patreon.com slash on pod where you can chip in a few bucks or as much as you like every single month in exchange for some rewards where we give out bonus episodes tickets to see our shows that uh, people get to buy tickets before anyone else pre-sale it's probably the word that i'm looking for but you know i struggled and um, you can also get shout outs which we're about to do and you get to be part of the facebook group which is very active the patreon only facebook group If any of this sounds appealing and at the same time you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash do go on pod. But the first thing we do at the end of the show is, of course, our patented fact, quote, or question. If Jess was here, she'd say, fact, quote, or question. Bing. Thank you. Yes, I should do musicals. Anyway, (laughs) uh, thank you so much. To uh, this week's fact, quote, or questioner. Which, if you're not familiar, this is an ingenious uh, section of the Patreon that Matt thought up. He thought we want want to give people more of an opportunity to voice their opinions, their facts, or their quotes on our show. And if you can do that at a certain level, the Sydney scheinberg Deluxe Package, rest in peace level. If you commit to that level, we uh, let you read out a fact, quote, or question, or we'll read it out, but you get to write it, and also give yourself a job title. Now, this week's uh, fact quota questioner job title is The not so quite red herring of the Dooga One podcast. Huh. Well, maybe we're about to find out what that means. And this week, it comes from the great man himself, a great supporter of the show. And thank you, as always, to Kevin Ulysses or Ulysses Packrad. Mmm. Damn, that's a good name. Thank you, The not so quite red herring, who this week has given us a fact. Oh, man. Music to my ears. I love a fact. Matt and Jess are missing out here because... Well, maybe they're not. Maybe they don't love facts as much as I do. Maybe Jess loves questions and Matt loves quotes. Who knows? But this week, the fact comes from Kevin Ulysses-Packrad. And in the spirit of Matt, who doesn't usually read them beforehand, neither have I. So, Kevin, don't stitch me up here with a fact. Kevin writes, This is a bit of a personal fact. However, I think it is quite fun. To be honest, that's good news for me because it means... Maybe it's hard to fact check. Anyway... This is Kevin again. On my father's side of my family, my grandfather's father, grandfather's father, okay, Misok, M-I-S-O-K, M-I-S-O-K, came to America from Syria to escape the Armenian genocide. Wow, so sorry to hear that. He came out with his brother, whose name was Nishan, and was also part of the Armenian mob, but that's unrelated. (laughs) Okay, cool though. Anyway, a few years before my grandfather was born, his sister was being bullied in school because of her last name, which at the time was... Wait for it. (laughs) Pacradunian. That is a river. Pacradunian. My great grandfather took it upon himself to change the name to Pacrad as you see it today. I personally think that name is even better than Pacrad. Imagine. Kevin Pacradunian. Pretty flipping great, am I right? (laughs) Yeah, you are damn rad. You'd be damn right. You'd be. And damn rad. Kevin Ulysses Pacradunian. Man, that should be your job title for the podcast. The official Pak of the Do Go On pod. Uh, thank you, Kevin, too, for writing in. What a ripper of a name. So that's the end of the fact quote or question section of the podcast. And the only other thing left to do is, of course, shout out to a few people that support the show on Patreon. And um, I'm going to do that now. We try to get everyone in order. We are trying to catch up. We missed a couple of people just because, you know, over time that does happen. And uh, Matt's trying to reorder it a bit, so... A few people have let us know if we've missed you and do let us know if you think we have. I think, but only if you've been on there for over a year, because it does take a little while at the moment to to get through everyone. But um, I would like to thank some beautiful people. I'm going to thank three. Usually we we thank two each and that's six, but I'm going to only do three just so this doesn't go on too long with just one man talking at the end of the podcast. But I'm going to thank three people. Usually we come up with a game. And we just talked about S.A. Andrew and his travels to the Arctic in a balloon. How about I suggest your mode of transport, these people's mode of transport, to get to the Arctic? Did I just say balloon or moon? Man, I zoned out on a one-man podcast. That is, ter- And then I came back and I was still talking. Well, here we go. Let's do some shout-outs anyway, and I'll try and stay in the room with you guys. Thank you so much. All the way from Fort Lauderdale in Florida. Actually, we've got three Americans coming up here today. Uh, Still definitely our dream to get over to North America at some stage. Maybe we'll get to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Beautiful weather. Fantastic art deco architecture in Miami. I'd like to go there just for that. Bit of an art deco nerd. But thank you, too. From Fort Lauderdale, Florida, Ross Carter. Ross Carter. Well, I like to think that you travelled, Ross Carter, to the North Pole using a DeLorean. Hmm? How about that? And you could travel back in time to beat S.A. Andrew, even though he never made it. Maybe you could travel back in time to meet him on the ice, to save him as his balloon crashed into the, into the snow for the 57th time. <laughs> I don't know. Well... Where we're going, we don't need roads. Thank you, Ross Carter. Do I remember the Back to the Future report we did many years ago? Who knows? Uh, Thank you so much for supporting the show over in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. I'm going to stop with that voice now. I would like to thank now also from the United States, from Locust Grove, Virginia. Not West Virginia. Virginia. I would like to thank Ben Pereria, Perera, P-E-R, E-I-R-A. I don't know why I read them out to make me sound less stupid than I am for saying them wrong. Ben Pereira from Locust Grove in Virginia. I would like to think that you travelled to the Arctic, to the North Pole, on the inevitable train that they will build to toot, all aboard, which I was inspired because when we came back from Perth yesterday, um, we were driving back from the airport together. Yeah, we tra- travelled together. It's funny. Carl Chandler from the Little Dundum Club that we did the Coast of Mui podcast festival with earlier in the year commented on our photo of us traveling to Perth at 6am th- at after getting up at 3am or um, sitting on the plane and he said, oh, sitting together on a plane to Perth is a brave choice. <laughs> we, well, we've traveled all the way to the UK together sitting next to each other and that is how we know that Matt likes to hug a pillow whilst watching The Incredibles 2, 3 times because he kept falling asleep during it and he hates that we keep bringing that up all the time. <laughs> but um on the way back we saw we were dropping matt home and there was a statue for a, a burke and a wills i don't know thing because they'd visited there on their ill-fated journey that we, matt talked about in episode what episode five i think it was so so long ago and i started laughing because i'd forgotten until that moment that do you remember when we did the burke and wills episode so they were australian explorers and they were tra- traveling to an unknown part of australia and it took them weeks and weeks to get to a certain point and then it just mentions in their diary that the post truck uh, you know people with a horse and cart just went past and also came back This is the idea that they were traveling to this place where a post office is easily already going there anyway why not just hitch a ride and then go as far as the anyway so stupid and that made me think that maybe I like the idea that S.A. Andrew wants to get to the North Pole. And there's a train going there, driven by Toot Ben Pereira from Locust Grove in Virginia. And finally, I would like to thank, from Holiday, Utah. In the United States, I would like to thank Preston Hands. Preston Hands, is this the same Preston who travelled with his mum, Gail, to support us at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival this year, all the way from Utah? The Beehive State, which I know from Gail, gave me that fact. Thank you so much, Preston, for supporting the show. We absolutely appreciate that. So, yeah, they came out for the first couple of weeks of the Comedy Festival on their uh, annual holiday. Uh, they like to travel somewhere in the world. And uh, Preston said, I want to go to the Comedy Festival in Melbourne, see the Duga One podcast. And that really blew our minds that you would come all that way. So, thank you so much. And it was fantastic to meet you. And in honor of being from Utah, the nickname given in point break, as in Utah, get me two, which is a quote from Gary Busey. I would like to. And that movie is in some way about surfing. I would like to say that you would like to surf Preston all the way to the North Pole. Which, as I said at the start of the episode, we now know, which Jess made fun of me from, that it's made of uh, water and sometimes ice. So actually more possible probably than driving or training. Preston, I give you the best odds of actually making it to the North Pole. Thank you to everyone that does support the show on Patreon, especially this week, to Ross Carter, Ben Pereira, and Preston Hands, all fantasy people spread out across the United States of America. And if you want to join the, the ranks of those fantastic people, just remember to go to patreon.com slash do pod. All right, that does bring us to the end of the episode. It's late here. Maybe it's late where you are as well. I'm going to give you permission to go to sleep unless you are driving a train, train a tram, or a car in that state. I think you should uh, stay awake. But everyone else my permission to go to bed even if you are listening at work which some people tell me they do. Uh if you want to get in contact with us all our contact details are on doogowanpod.com. We can also buy tickets to our website and also merchandise t-shirts and the like that we will mail directly to you wherever you are in the world. Thanks again for supporting the show, listening to the show, spreading it around. We always appreciate that. Until next week. I'll say thank you again for listening and until then I will say a goodbye.
2: This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network.
0: Visit planetbroadcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you.
1: ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend.